0: Book Two, Chapter One of Bradford's History of the Plymouth Settlement, sixteen o eight to sixteen fifty. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Bradford's History of the Plymouth Settlement, sixteen o eight to sixteen fifty, by William Bradford, rendered into modern English by Harold Paget. Book Two, Chapter One. Book Two, sixteen twenty to sixteen forty six. The rest of this work, if God give me life and opportunity. I shall for brevity's sake handle in the form of annals noting only the principal doings chronologically first i will turn back a little and begin with a compact or deed drawn up by them before they went ashore to settle constituting the first foundation of their government this was occasioned partly by the discontented and mutinous speeches that some of the strangers amongst them had let fall that when they got ashore they would use their liberty, that none had power to command them, the patent procured being for Virginia, and not for New England, which belonged to another company, with which the Virginia Company had nothing to do. And further, it was believed by the leading men among the settlers that such a deed, drawn up by themselves, considering their present condition, would be as effective as any patent, and in some respects more so." The form of the deed was as follows in the name of god amen we whose names are underwritten the loyal subjects of our dread sovereign lord king james by the grace of god of great britain france and ireland king defender of the faith etc having undertaken for the glory of god and advancement of the christian faith and honor of our king and country a voyage to plant the first colony in the northern parts of virginia do by these presents solemnly and mutually in the presence of god and of one another covenant and combine ourselves into a civil body politic for our better ordering and preservation and the furtherance of the ends aforesaid and by virtue hereof to enact constitute and frame such just and equal laws ordinances acts constitutions and offices from time to time as shall be thought most meet and convenient for the general use of the colony unto which we promise all due submission and obedience in witness whereof we have here underscribed our names at cape cod eleventh of november in the year of the reign of our sovereign lord king james of england france and ireland the eighteenth and of scotland the fifty fourth a d sixteen twenty they then chose or rather confirmed mr john carver a godly man and highly approved among them as their governor for that year after they had provided a place for their goods and common stores which they were long in unlading owing to want of boats the severity of the winter weather and sickness had begun some small cottages for dwellings as time would admit they met and consulted of law and order both for civil and military government as seemed suited to their conditions adding to them from time to time as urgent need demanded in these arduous and difficult beginnings discontent and murmuring arose amongst some and mutinous speech and bearing in others but they were soon quelled and overcome by the wisdom patience and just and equal administration of things by the governor and the better part who held faithfully together in the main but soon a most lamentable blow fell upon them in two or three months time half of their company died partly owing to the severity of the winter especially during january and february and the want of houses and other comforts partly to scurvy and other diseases, which their long voyage and their incommodious quarters had brought upon them. Of all the hundred odd persons, scarcely fifty remained, and sometimes two or three persons died in a day. In the time of worst distress there were but six or seven sound persons who, to their great commendation be it spoken, spared no pains night or day, but with great toil and at the risk of their own health, fetched wood made fires prepared food for the sick made their beds washed their infected clothes dressed and undressed them in a word did all the homely and necessary services for them which dainty and queasy stomachs cannot endure to hear mentioned and all this they did willingly and cheerfully without the least grudging showing their love to the friends and brethren a rare example and worthy to be remembered two of these seven were mr william brewster their reverend elder and Miles standish their captain and military commander to whom myself and many others were much beholden in our low and sick condition and yet the lord so upheld these men that in this general calamity they were not at all infected with sickness and what i have said of these few i should say of many others who died in this general visitation and others yet living that while they had health or strength they forsook none that had need of them i doubt not that their recompense is with the lord but i must not pass by another remarkable and unforgettable occurrence when this calamity fell among the passengers who were to be left here to settle They were hurried ashore and made to drink water, so that the sailors might have the more beer, and when one sufferer in his sickness desired but a small can of beer, it was answered that if he were their own father he should have none. Then the disease began to seize the sailors also, so that almost half of the crew died before they went away, and many of their officers and strongest men, among them the boatswain, gunner, three quartermasters, the cook, and others. At this the captain was somewhat struck, and sent to the sick ashore, and told the governor that he could send for beer for those that had need of it, even should he have to drink water on the homeward voyage but amongst the sailors there was quite a different bearing in their misery those who before in the time of their health and welfare had been boon companions in drinking and jollity began now to desert one another saying they would not risk their lives for the sick among them lest they should be infected by coming to help them in their cabins if they died let them die but the passengers who were still aboard showed them what pity they could which made some of their hearts relent such as the boatswain who was an overbearing young man and before would often curse and scoff at the passengers but when he grew weak they had compassion on him and helped him then he confessed he did not deserve it at their hands for he had abused them in word and deed "'Oh!' said he, "'you, I see now, show your love like Christians indeed to one another, but we let one another lie and die like dogs.' Another lay cursing his wife, saying if it had not been for her he had never come on this unlucky voyage, and anon cursed his fellows, saying he had done this or that for some of them, he had spent so much and so much amongst them, and they were now weary of him, and did not help him in his need.' Another made over to one of his mates all he had, when he should die, if he would but help him in his weakness. So his companion went and got a little spice and prepared some food once or twice, and when he did not die as soon as he expected, he went among his comrades and swore the rogue would cheat him of his inheritance. He would see him choke before he prepared him any more food, and so the poor fellow died before morning all this while the indians came skulking about those who were ashore and would sometimes show themselves aloof at a distance but when any approached them they would run away once they stole away the men's tools where they had been at work and were gone to dinner about the sixteenth of march a certain indian came boldly among them and spoke to them in broken english which they could well understand but were astonished at it At length they understood by speaking with him that he was not of these parts, but belonged to the eastern country where some English ships came to fish, and with some of these English he was acquainted, and could name several of them. From them he had got his knowledge of the language. He became useful to them in acquainting them with many things concerning the state of the country in the east parts where he lived, as also of the people there, their names and number, their situation and distance from this place, and who was chief among them his name was samoset he told them also of another indian whose name was squanto a native of this part who had been in england and could speak english better than himself after some time of entertainment being dismissed with gifts in a little while he returned with five more and they brought back all the tools that had been stolen and made way for the coming of their great sachem called massasoit who about four or five days after came with the chief of his friends and other attendants and with squanto with him after friendly entertainment and some gifts they made a peace which has now continued for twenty-four years these were the terms one that neither he nor any of his should injure or harm any of their people two that if any of his did harm to any of theirs he should send the offender that they might punish him three that if anything were taken away from any of theirs he should cause it to be restored and they should do the like to his four if any made unjust war against him, they would aid him, if any made war against them, he should aid them. 5. He should send to his neighboring confederates, to certify them of this, that they might not wrong them, but might be likewise comprised of the conditions of peace. 6. That when their men came to them, they should leave their bows and arrows behind them. After this he returned to his place, called Soams, some forty miles off, but squanto stayed with them and was their interpreter and became a special instrument sent of god for their good beyond their expectation he showed them how to plant their corn where to take fish and other commodities and guided them to unknown places and never left them till he died he was a native of these parts and had been one of the few survivors of the plague hereabouts He was carried away with others by one Hunt, a captain of a ship, who intended to sell them for slaves in Spain, but he got away for England, and was received by a merchant in London, and employed in Newfoundland and other parts, and lastly brought into these parts by a Captain Dermer, a gentleman employed by Sir Ferdinand Gorges and others, for discovery and other projects in these parts. Of Captain Dermer I will say something, because it is mentioned, in a book published A.D. 1622 by the President and Council of New England, that he made peace between the savages of these parts and the English, of which this plantation, as it is there intimated, had the benefit. But what kind of peace it was appears by what befell him and his men. Captain Dermer had been here the same year that the people of the Mayflower arrived, as appears in an account written by him, and given to me by a friend, bearing date June 30th, 1620, and as they came in the November following, there was but four months' difference. In this account to his honoured friend he makes the following references to this very place. I will first begin, says he, with the place from which Squanto, or Disquantum was taken away, which in Captain Smith's map is called Plymouth, and i would that plymouth had the same commodities i could wish that the first plantation might be situated here if there came to the number of fifty persons or upward otherwise at charlton because there the savages are less to be feared the pocannockets who live to the west of plymouth bear an inveterate hatred to the english and are of greater strength than all the savages from there to penobscot their desire of revenge was occasioned by an englishman who having invited many of them on board slaughtered them with small shot when as the indians say they offered no injury on their part whether they were english or no it may be doubted but they believe they were for the french have so assured them for this reason squanto cannot deny but they would have killed me when i was at Namasket had he not interceded hard for me the soil of the borders of this great bay may be compared to most of the plantations which i have seen in virginia the land is of various sorts patuxet is a stubborn but strong soil nauset and satucket are for the most part a blackish and deep mould much like that where the best tobacco in virginia grows in the great bay itself is a quantity of cod and bass or mullet but above all he commends the pocanoquets country for the richest soil and much open ground fit for english grain etc massachusetts about nine leagues from plymouth and situated between both is full of islands and peninsulas for the most part very fertile he was taken prisoner by the indians at manamoick a place not far off now well known He gave them what they demanded for his liberty but when they had got what they desired they still kept him and endeavoured to kill his men but he freed himself by seizing some of them whom he kept bound till they gave him a canoe-load of corn of which see perch lib nine folio seventeen seventy eight but this was a d sixteen nineteen after the writing of the foregoing narrative Dermer went with squanto to the island of capoac which lies south of this place on the way to virginia There he went ashore amongst the Indians to trade, as he used to do, but was betrayed and assaulted by them, and all his men were killed except one who kept the boat. He himself got aboard very sorely wounded, and they would have cut off his head as he climbed into his boat had not the man rescued him. They got away and made shift to reach Virginia, where he died." this shows how far the natives were from peace and under what dangerous conditions this plantation was begun but for the powerful hand of the lord which protected them this was partly the reason why they kept aloof and were so long before they came to the english another reason as afterwards they themselves stated was that about three years before a french ship was wrecked at cape cod but the men got ashore and saved their lives and a large part of their provisions when the indians heard of it they surrounded them and never left watching and dogging them till they got the advantage and killed them all but three or four whom they kept and sent from one sachem to another making sport with them and using them worse than slaves of these captain dermer released two so the indians thought that this ship had now come to revenge these outrages it was also later disclosed that before they came to the english to make friends they got all the pow-wows of the country together for three days to curse and execrate them in a horrid and devilish manner with conjurations holding their assembly in a dark and dismal swamp but to return the spring now approaching it pleased god the mortality began to cease among them and the sick recovered apace which put new life into them all though they had borne their sad afflictions with as much patience and contentedness as i think any people could do but it was the lord who upheld them and had beforehand prepared them many having long borne the yoke yea even from their youth many other minor matters i will omit several of them having been published already in a journal written by one of the company and some other narratives and descriptions of journeys already published to which i refer those who wish to acquaint themselves more closely Having now come to the 25th of March, I will begin the year 1621. End of Book 2, Chapter 1